Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked. A podcast where listeners discover how enterprise leaders are confidently automating document intake and accelerating their workflows to increase capacity and drive top-line revenue. I'm co-host Michelle Govea. And I'm co-host Chris Wells. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm co-host Chris Wells. I'm co-host Michelle Govea, and we are thrilled today to have uh, Jay Novis from QBE Ventures join us. So Jay, thanks for for, um, agreeing to do the podcast with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, This this episode will be um, slightly different than I think other ones where we'll probably dive in a little bit more, um, more onto the venture capital side and a little bit more of like what's happening in that industry as it relates to to insurance and what we're seeing. Um, so getting really excited to have um to have you on to, to chat about that since you know Jay and I know each other uh from just the the venture capital and sure tech space conference circuit, etc. Um and so I'm looking forward to diving in with you on this. Very cool. Uh, do you want to maybe give a little bit of background about yourself and um you know how you got into the VC space? Sure. Um, thanks for having me first, you guys. Um, privileged to be my first podcast. So I joined QBE Ventures about a year ago um, as an investment associate. Um, so I sit you know, within the investment team, um, mainly sourcing investment opportunities, um, financial due diligence over potential opportunities, and then also work over existing portfolio companies. Um, so I'm from Australia originally. I was with PwC, and then I joined QB Ventures a year ago when I moved to the States. Um, QB is a global PNC uh, insurer. I think we operate in 27 plus countries. Um, we're headquartered in Australia, but enlisted on the ASX in Australia. Um, but you know, global in nature. Um, mainly commercial PNC insurance. And you know we do a lot of work in Australia, North America, um, Europe. A lot of work out of Lloyd's in London, um, and you know the, the operations do vary quite significantly depending on geographic region. So I think in North America we're a big crop insurer and an ag insurer. Um, in you know Australia it's mainly just anything commercial P and C, and then sort of. Out of the UK and Lloyd's, a lot of specialty lines, uh, marine, aviation, um, financial lines, cyber. Um, and then sort of QBE Ventures, we sit within the group. Um, but we're also an international team. So we're split across Australia, uh, North America, and the UK. Um, we're definitely more on the strategic side. So, you know, we're a strategic CBC. Um, you, we sort of invest to, to help better the mother company, QBE. Um, provide more insight, um, be more efficient, and yeah, that's a that's a bit of background. So I I think I may have missed it. You came in through the insurance side, and now you're part of the cap captive venture. No, no. So yeah, so I I'm new. I was new to insurance and VC okay. at the same time with this role. Mm-hmm. Um, the background is in sort of financial due diligence and accounting. Um, and M&A transactions, and then you know the VC insurance space was new. Um, obviously, it helps to be in, get in touch with my Australian roots, joining a, an Australian company. Um, but yeah. Hi, um, so we we talk a lot. Of, so Jay, I think you know, just uh, you know, for those listening at home, Jay and I know each other from just the the, the VC and SureTech VC circle. Um, you know, my background was in insurance before I joined the VC space, but like still learned the VC role 
the financial and investment side after the fact, but learning uh, kind of both of those at the same time, um, was that like super hard? Like, do you still feel like you're, you're learning a ton? Like when we go to conferences, I feel like there's always a new technology or capability. I'm like, wow, like I've never thought about how to apply that to insurance. And I think Chris and I, every time we, we talk to someone or or have a conversation, we're like, wow, insurance is really complicated. (laughs) That is like, you know, cut and dry as people assume it to be of just like, here's a policy, buy it. Now I'm insured. Right. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was interesting. I was sort of learning both worlds at the same time. Um, QBE was actually a, a big client of PwC when I was at PwC. And I did work on some insurance clients during my time there. So I sort of had a little bit of background on, you know, the basics of insurance, but obviously, you know, not not enough to sort of go and invest and, and change change up the industry. Um, but yeah, it was, I have a good team around me. Um, so they've been, you know, I've learned a lot from them. They've been in the insurance space for like decades, some of them. So um, that obviously helps, you know, we're a tight knit team and uh, they've done a lot for my development. So That's yeah, I'm nice feeling a lot better than I did a year ago. <laughs> shout out to your team and your boss there. Well done. Um, yeah. You, you, you uh, talked about a big part of your role being sourcing investments. What does that look like today? Yeah, so we, I guess our investment thesis, so so we we source externally, you know, go out to um, startup companies and um, through connections, through sort of um, cold calls or cold reach outs, um, either way, uh, conferences, you know, general connections within the space. I think most people in, most insure techs within sort of, at least North America, sort of know each other. It's, it's sort of quite a small world. Um, but, you know, we will either source externally at, like that or we'll get an internal referral from QBE. Um, so it can kind of work both ways. You know, they might be working with a third party or a vendor uh, run, running a pilot or POC and they might reach out to us and say, hey, have you looked, have you thought about investing in these guys? Um, you know, we're working with them and X, Y, and Z. Um, so it sort of works both ways. Um, as you can imagine, from a due diligence standpoint, you know if if your company has been working uh, with a startup for three months, that that definitely helps. A lot of the paperwork's filled out already. Yeah. <laughs> and and Jay, because as you as you noted, that QBE is pretty broad in the PNC insurance space, right? D- depending on on the geography you're in, are you getting an opportunity to to source companies that kind of touch on all those different lines of business? So like, and I'm thinking like in my role too, right? We're pretty like all comp- all encompassing in terms of the insure tech landscape. So we're looking at any, like any line of insurance, any kind of area of the insurance value chain that I might be touching, whether it's intake, underwriting, claims, data and analytics. Um, but I imagine that for you, like you, you could have a whole week of like sourcing companies that are focused on crop insurance and the following week, it's all, you know, inland marine companies or something like that is that yeah i mean so we have our defined focus areas um you know we're big on the sort of the risk management and resilience play um but then also sort of in the on the core insurance you know tech adjacencies relating to underwriting and and claims and in and mgas themselves um you know since we are global and we pretty much touch one line of insurance in some way or another, it, it does open us up to a variety of opportunities. I guess it's just about prioritizing QBEs, you know, wants and needs. Um, in, in terms of sort of the global 
landscape, most of our portfolios are US based. Um, you know, we do have a couple in Europe, in one or two in Australia, um, but most are US based. But sort of, I guess, how we're different and, and what we can offer with our um, you know, strate- uh, global reach and presence is we can help companies sort of um, set up and, and start shop overseas and sort of cross those international borders. You know, whether it be moving from US to Australia or to Europe, we have, you know, not just um, QB itself, but our team is, is spread out internationally to help facilitate and accelerate that process. Um, so that's sort of you know, how we see ourselves different, I guess, to some other CVCs. But in terms of in terms of sourcing, you know, it's we're we're pretty global, I guess, in terms of um, where we look, but but mostly US based, I guess. That ability to help small companies make beachheads elsewhere is massive. I just want to double click on that real quick. That's cool. Yeah, it's. I'm not saying it's an easy or short process, but um. It's something we've been successful in doing in the past, and you know, plan to keep doing moving forwards. Um, so, right on. So, in in terms of some of the areas that Michelle mentioned across the, you know, the business life cycle and the different verticals, um, what are you seeing in terms of? I'll be the tech nerd. It's my job here. Uh, what yeah. are you seeing in terms of trends and the technologies, the things that are starting to pop up the things that are not so popular as they might have been I'm curious yeah so I think uh, generally speaking uh, sort of automation in on both the underwriting and claim side um, continues to be a big um, focus area um, you know and if you speak to some of the underwriters out there not just a QB in, in general um, they've sort of got you know there's no sort of system that encompasses Everything uh, you know, they're, they're working with different systems um, across the value chain of insurance. So you know, and that don't talk to each other necessarily. Um, so it can be sort of time-consuming and, and frustrating from them. So I think, I think in, to answer your question, you know, platforms that can be sort of a, a one-stop shop um, is a, is a, is a huge progress is a huge sort of focus area. Um, generally speaking, in underwriting and document ingestion, um, you know, I know you're familiar with this space, obviously, but um, you know, to, to speed, to, we've sort of found that to speed up business um, means you can win more business as well. So, sort of efficiencies, addressing inefficiencies in the in the document and submission intake, um, and then I guess just technology. We've we've been very active in the geospatial. Um, area and sort of um, aerial imagery space, um, especially around property inspection and, and that cat risk. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's fascinating. I, I didn't yeah. expect you to say that. That's cool. Um, yeah, no, especially for, you know, I guess, nat cat, you know, hurricanes, cyclones. Um, we've seen a lot of those over the last few years. So, um, to have that technology, like a different view to provide more insight, um, sort of pre and post incident management um, and crisis management has been really helpful. And NatCat, natural catastrophe. Natural, yeah, exactly. Right. Sorry. Cool insurance. Term. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be our conscience when it comes to insurance lingo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I only learned it yesterday. That's why I've been, that's why I said it about three times. <laughs> Um, so Jay, on, on, 
on that, right? When you're, uh, whether it's the business coming to, to you and saying, we've been working with, with this startup, it may be worth you taking a look or you coming across a startup that you think the technology is relevant and interesting, and then you want to introduce it into, you know, to, to someone within QBE to test it out. Um, what are what are some of the things that that you you QBE ventures look for in terms of um, stage capabilities? Like, are you look are are you guys interested to the extent that you can share? Right? Are you guys interested in really really early things that QBE can help kind of form and shape and and build for, with the company? Are you looking for things that are really more enterprise ready to deploy um, that have some some true ROI metrics behind that you can point to before you make an introduction into the business? Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good question. It, it's sort of a fine balance. It's like, I mean, really, we look at series A to C. That's the sweet spot. Um, we have made a couple of seed investments, um, you know, depending on the sort of strategic case or, or, and the company. Um, but it's sort of, you know, you want them to be, we like companies that are early enough that you can work with QBE and, you know, um, sort of, learn and work together and and you know run pilots um and sort of you know i guess create a relationship that will work for both companies but you you don't you can't be too early that you know you need to go through qb doesn't have the time to help the company you know set up shop and and find and finalize the product you sort of need they need to be well established enough to hit the ground running um, but early enough to sort of be flexible and and nimble and and be able to work with QBE, um, and we find that sort of series A to B spot is perfect for that. Um, mm-hmm. You know they have they do have product market fit. Um, you know they do have they are earning money. They do have some ARR, um, but there's a lot of growth opportunity and and you know QBE can help shape that roadmap um, to to be so they can be as effective as possible in the insurance industry. Um, you know, check size is typically two to five mil, uh, is, is normally what we write. Um, and then we do lead and follow with investments. Um, typically we like to follow, um, but if the strategic case is really strong and, you know, we're already working with the company internally, um, then we, then we may lead as well. How do you, and I, I may answer my own question as I ask this, but Insurance companies I have found have very specific ways of doing things and thinking about the world. So how do you keep, you know, a company that you bring in to work with QBE, how do you keep that company from building a product that really fits QBE really well, but doesn't generalize to the rest of the market? How do you think about that? Yeah, that's no, a good question. I, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the carriers sort of have the same same end goal, I guess. Um, and that's just, that's just to be more efficient in how they, you know, underwrite, um, pay out claims, um, digest documents, and then and then more insight. So we don't, you know, when we help our companies, like when we run pilots, we we love to see our portfolio portfolio companies and companies we work with go and work with other carriers, yeah. um, and be successful, you know, with other carriers. It's sort of a win win for everyone, um, you know, because then they can learn from them, um, and they can sort of expand on their network within with the insurance industry. Um, but you're right. It is definitely a fine balance between managing, um, QBE, but then also the company's growth more generally in the insurance space. Um, but I think usually they sort of do work hand in hand for the most part. Um, the they- of what Jim, uh, from Microsoft on, on a recent episode said where insurance carriers are uh, all unique. 
but they're like snowflakes, right? They're all unique, but they generally follow eight patterns, right? Um, I think I got that yeah. right. <laughs> I feel like that's that's probably um in in that that specific scenario that that you're referencing, because you know, fr- from our perspective, where we are not a CVC and we work with a, a number of different carriers, right? Companies that we look for. Um, we hope that they're responsive to many, if not all of, of our investors. And for that, like you want them to be able to, to Jay's point, be flexible enough to, to take in and say, you're working with this system versus that system. Like we, we can connect into that. We've worked with that before, but there's also, you know, IP that that carrier is bringing that, that benefits and, and makes the product its own and, and um, drives the outcomes as specifically to what the carriers need. Got it. Yeah. And the, the relationship usually works better the more flexible, um, you know, the, the, the startup or the partner company is, um, you know, there might be some com- QBE might have a request, you know, can we change this? Can we customize this? Um, you know, sometimes the companies will come back and be, be like, no, we're fixed in our ways. Unfortunately we can't do that. Yeah. Other companies will be like, of course, you know, and then sit down with us and work together, um, to sort of build something unique. Um, so I think it's, you know, and, and that can be, that can form quite a powerful, uh, relationship. Um, so it's, yeah, I guess every company is different. Yeah. Code, co-development is a powerful force. If you can make it work well, that's been my experience yeah. here and elsewhere. Um, Jay, I don't yeah. know if you're, if you would know, um, just from, from where you, you sit and who you're working with, but like, um, Chris and I are still eager to do a regulatory, that sounds so exciting, right? But a regulatory episode. And so um, I wonder from, from your perspective, woo, right? <laughs> from your perspective, um, like the, this, like when you guys are looking at a company or when QBE is is working with with a startup, do, is one of the the things that you as as the, representing the carrier does, like do they, can you partner with them and does, does QBE kind of help them get through some of the regulatory landscape um or is that you know because i'm just thinking through like if it's an mga or you you know you guys want to go expand into geography then maybe that and yet do you help them with with some of the the filings or product pricing or things like that um in those partnerships um i'm not sure if you if you're close enough to some of those yeah um, we we definitely can do um and you know with our global presence and sort of we do look to make that move and help them grow internationally. So part of that does come with understanding the international framework. Um, I think that's sort of when you, you know, divert to the different business units, like globally, um, to help the company do that. But a lot of the due diligence up front is, is done up front by our team. And we'll look at that, you know, depending on the underlying technology and the platform. Um, you know, for example, if you're sort of in the, you know, healthcare or, or healthcare space, um, you know, a lot of that isn't really just, it, it just wouldn't work anywhere else that might be, a, you know, specific to one country or another. Um, so we, we do look a lot of, at a lot of that upfront. And then if the opportunity is there, then definitely we, we get our, get hands on deck and, you know, the relevant business units to help um, facilitate that, cha- that sort of change. Interesting. Is another example like a U.S. company going to Europe and having to cope with GDPR? Is that the kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Different yeah, r- rules and regulations. Um, yeah. So. Okay. Especially this around is- data. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, this is a total left turn, but I don't want to forget to ask because I'm super curious. You mentioned yeah. that. Uh, are you seeing any technologies? You using those abbreviations. I know. I'm a, I'm a quick learner, Michelle. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on it. Um, are, what are you seeing in like the climate change space? Like, are there any technological hopes for Florida? <laughs> you know? You know, no doubt. So um, we're looking at sort of more in the resilience risk management space, I would say, um, in terms of trying to get better, trying to use technology to get better insight and understanding for um, for impacts. And and the idea is that if you know if if we can sort of avoid, um, you know, the, the 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 best way to manage a claim is to avoid one in the first place. Yeah. So if we can sort of for example, you know, use this technology to, I mentioned sort of aerial and geospatial technology um, to dive deeper into certain um, areas of risk of these, of NatCat risks. Um, you know, we can look at sort of the the roofing or the construction um, of properties and understand better, you know, how, what risk they're at, depending on the, the quality of the materials um, and sort of you know, spatial awareness of how close they are to to flooding risk, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. It so, does. And stuff like that is more dynamic now than ever before. So that real-time insight, super powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, so sorry. I'll jump, that was I'll jump, no, I'll jump in there too, because I think some of the things that we're seeing, really, like climate change is a big topic, right? And so even within... How is the insurance industry responding to it? What are the things that they have to look for down the line um, or be concerned about is also a big topic. And so you're seeing things, I'm not going to hone in on your like Florida specific comment because I I like Florida. I don't want Floridians to come to me. <laughs> oh, so um, my parents live there half the year. Yeah. Um, but so like, and, and I mean, it varies, right? Like in California, the prime example is wildfire risk, right? And and obviously now with what's happening in Canada and, and the air quality as it comes down to, I think we've all been affected in some some way, way by it. Um, you know, like you're seeing a lot of startups saying we can bring new data or um, bring variables in that aren't something that like the, the incumbent solutions are modeling for to try and be better predictors to Jay's point of, um, what is really at risk, um, you know, how to help underwrite, how to be, how to select those risks more efficiently and effectively. Um, same, same thing, copy and paste for when you're talking about hurricane risk or, um, you know, tornado risk or things, you know, any, any gnat cat um, that you would, you know, be concerned yeah, about. Um, but we're <laughs> keeping a running tally. Um, but then there's also, uh, I think I've, I've mentioned it maybe um, on a previous episode, um, some of these companies are really going about it from like a value added service perspective. Yeah. And so like, like what are the things that we can provide our insureds um, to, to try to prevent the claim from even happening, right? Like what are recommendations we can make? How do we use aerial imaging to, to indicate, oh, you've got, you know, um, brush near too close to the house. You're in, you're in a wildfire zone. Like what's the recommendation we can make to you to, to clear that or keep that clean? Um, you know, there's companies out there that are using weather data to proactively reach out and say, it looks like you're in the path of a storm. Um, here's what you should do to try and protect your home or your, you know, your your vehicle, et cetera. And then using that same data after the fact to to check in and say, it looks like you didn't get affected or it looks like you did. 
Um, I think the core to all of that and what interests at least me is, is the data and the fact that you have to be um, sure that your data is accurate because that's what you're relying on to do things like offer parametric insurance products, um, do, do outreach to your insurance um, when it makes sense and not kind of freak anybody out or scare anybody, but then also be um, on the back end, if there is a claim, responsive in a way that's meaningful, right? Like proactively help them, you know, here, here's, here's your check to help with damages, or here's how we can help you relocate, or we're sorry this happened to you. Like, here's ways we can help, like, let us help you get the claim started as opposed to figuring out where you have to go. Yeah. Um, and going back to, um, you know, our common theme that we always thread is like, so, so how do you internally take in that data manage it and then use it in a way that can do all of these things um in a way that that is efficient and makes sense yeah even even that simple example of like there's brush near the house right like finding brush finding a house estimating the distance and then contextualizing it like brush near my house not a big deal it's going to rain six out of seven days right but in california that so that yeah, it, that is a thread we pull quite often, which is that data management, data contextualization problem. Yeah. And and Jay, when when you're thinking about it from from what you're when you're sourcing companies against like what, what the broader QBE organization is looking for, um, are you like do you tend to try and find things that are more um, general use cases or do you really sometimes hone in and say we are looking to solve this very specific i'll even call it niche problem and so we're really interested in finding a like a a one solution type company that does really good at this or do you guys typically take a step back and say that's a capability we'd like but we'd really like you to be able to do these four or five things Honestly, it depends um a little bit (laughs) oh no this guy too (laughs) <laughs> is that is that michelle's answer to everything oh yeah at least once an episode at least once an I, i'm gonna buy you a t-shirt with that on it it's coming your way. i mean it's true most of the time but everything does depend um i think i will say in terms of you know what helps you know because a lot of I, a lot of startups do want to work with cvcs um to get exposure into that you know it, it, with the backing of the, the insurance industry um, especially like a global insurer like QBE, for example. Um, I think what what always helps is sort of when the companies come to us with um, like an internal sponsor or, or, or an understanding of the specific business unit they plan on working with um, and, and, ex- and specific examples of use cases. Um, that sort of, you know, because there's, that just helps with the efficiency and, and, and procurement as well. Um, so, you know, on the strategic partnership side, um, you know, there's a lot of work around procurement. Um, you know, we help companies frame up pilots. So the more specific the use case, um, generally the more efficient and the better the process. Um, I'll also say from a, from a investment standpoint, um, just having, having a more complete data room um, and sort of uh, is always helpful. Um, so, you know, and including all sort of legal transaction docs up front, um, whether it be, you know, past rounds, um, transaction docs from past rounds, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you need, let's say, if you're SOC 2 certified, um, you know, having all this information available up front is, is very helpful, especially right. in a big bureaucratic. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, for some of our audience, the whole concept of a data room may might be a little foreign. Do you mind oh, step back there and framing that? Yeah, it's basically um, almost like a shared uh, a shared document room um, where you know a company can post documents or upload documents, I should say, um, for investors to to go through and read. It's like a shared a shared service, I guess if you want to call it that. Yeah, um, I'd say it's it's really um, it's. It's the landing page for um, everything that on the VC side an investor would need to to do their analysis and diligence to determine if they'd like to make an investment going forward. So usually you've got like um, value proposition of the business, case studies, uh, metrics about like re- return on on investment and like results from pilots or you know uh, cur- current customers that you're working with. Um, financial projections and then to Jay's point kind of all of the the fun legal stuff that you need just to understand what the history of the business has been to this point yeah um, yeah right on sorry I derailed you Jay no no it's I, I it, it's just always helpful when a startup does their sort of homework up front um, and sort of ask those questions up front um, just to save time in the process you know as you can imagine you've got a it's a big company um, you know there's a just to sort of cut out the fat of the, the layers and the procurement, if you have sort of all the documents um, and, and questions and answers sort of ready up front uh, as much as you can do, um, that, that always helps the process. Um, so we find the relationship it just works better with with the companies who do that. Right I, think that I think it's interesting, um, Jay, that, that you brought that up as part of, of your response to that question because... <laughs> I think no, because I think a lot of times, like you know, the the kind of cliche is, oh, the insurance industry is so slow to move, and like there, it takes forever to to get anything done. But then on the flip side, it's like, well, at at the, at the end of the day, though, they're a data driven organization and they're a process driven organization. And so, if you've got what they need from a data standpoint and a process standpoint, it will move more efficiently. <laughs> Then, if you're missing some of those components, right, to whatever you're trying to to work on, and I think that the misunderstanding is that startups are so quick and can come in and like get things done quickly. But um, I think what entrepreneurs are starting to realize and what's starting to become um, even a benefit or kind of seen as a, as a positive is like carriers, insur- the insurance industry is coming up to speed. Like the, there's a, years and years and years of legacy systems of disparate systems, um, a lot of ad hoc processes and workflows that have, have been built in order to keep things moving. And within those are locked a lot of data that can't just um, be ignored or forgotten about as you move forward into new new workflows, new systems, new core, you know, core systems, et cetera. Um, and so it's really important that everyone kind of is transparent of this is where I am and this is where I, I need you to meet me in order to get anything done, whether it's, it's a partnership, getting through procurement to get that partnership started. Um, and so even, even in the the internal, like day-to-day of the insurance carrier, just um, any type of data intake is super important. 
like yeah. for, for all of the various things that an insurance carrier is trying to do, whether it's like day-to-day insurance operations or trying to to innovate. They need they need those those various um inputs. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, um, and Chris, you might not have the answer to this, but um on the flip side, what's the relationship like from you know Indigo's standpoint um for working with carriers? Are you guys saying, Oh my gosh, these guys are so slow, it takes years to get um, things done? I wouldn't so there are there are two answers to that. There's the sales cycle answer, and then there is the like onboarding a new technology answer. I would say I've been pleasantly surprised having worked with insurance companies uh, in two different verticals, um, selling into them, or at least, you know, at least being the nerd that does the song and dance to help sell into them. Um, I have been pleasantly surprised with how fast our sales cycles have been. Um, So, and I, I think that's partly that has to do with just where the industry is today. You know, it's been a decade or more of talking about digital transformation. And I think companies are, they're really, really doing it right now. Um, It's not just lip service. On the onboarding side, I think I have seen cases where, and this is not just true of insurance, but just large companies can't get out of their own way technologically. Um, They've built processes for good reasons, but they're extremely rigid. Um, I think this is not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at any of our clients or prospects, but I, I think it is often true that the best folks in technology don't end up, um, in, in insurance companies. Um, I think that's changing a little bit now, uh, as people have realized that insurance is doing really interesting things, but historically that hasn't been the case. You know, you're a, you're a Google or AWS or wherever, if you're really good at technology, um, and so I, I think the real impact of that is that the technology processes are often a bit out of date. And so a little company like Indico with a powerful platform comes in and wants to go fast. And it's like, oh, hold on, guys. We know that's not how we operate. Um, and uh, we really have to uh, bridge that gap in a lot of cases. Yeah, I guess the uh, you've got like sort of the bigger insurance carriers, and then you've also got some of the smaller players. You know, I, I don't know, like maybe more like MGAs or MGUs or yeah, some of the more nimble carriers. So it, I guess it depends. Yeah, no, that it it does depend, uh, and uh, it it really is sort of the speed at which a company can implement is uh, inversely proportional to their size. In my yeah experience, which is not a surprising yeah. thing, but I've got real no. data and scars to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> I think going back to to Jay's point about, um, you know, coming in and just being very clear about what you do and like what you can solve. I think at at the core, right, we talk about this um, often, but the two main things, even if you're a a startup that does something on, I'll call it the periphery of these two things, everything within the carrier is, is focused on the underwriting or the claims, right? And what's associated with that? The customer experience as it is, as it relates to how fast it is to get the my information, how easy it is for me to submit an application, um, for you to look at it and then give me give me a price, right? To then ultimately bind that insurance policy. Or on the claim side of um, 
why I don't want to have to call you five or six times. Like, how can you get my information quickly and effectively? How can you um, meet my expectations of um, how fast something will get handled? Um, you know, have a little bit of empathy and sympathy for whatever situation I'm in that has caused that claim in the first place, right? And so when you when you step back and look at all the different startups kind of in the, what I'll call the landscape of insure tech, um, I think it really still boils down to how do I better, how do I, how am I supporting underwriting or, or, or even within like outside of that, a better product that can be underwritten for the needs of the end customer? Um, or how do I support my customer when, when there is a claim? Because at the end of the day, the core, the core business of an insurance carrier is claims, right? That's, that's what they're there for is to help you in a time when you have an insurance claim. Um, so that's how I think about it. <laughs> that's my thesis. That's how I spend my time. Like when I'm I believe you. looking for companies and, and talking to companies at conferences and looking for solutions that might be reflective of what some of our investors are interested in. Like, I think it really comes down to how are you helping the core operations of an insurance carrier or an MGA or a broker? Um, cause that's, that's really, and, and to me, what moves the needle, right? There is a lot of, of solutions that are really interesting companies doing really cool things that, um, are helpful, but aren't really solving for one of those two things. And those are the two things that at the end of the day, an insurance carrier will always care about. Um, and yeah, so, no, I agree. Yeah. And I guess on the underwriting side as well, um, you know, but thinking about both sides of the coin, I, the, the more insight, you know, and I guess this is what we're trying to do at the end of the day, the more insight the underwriters, you know, all these insurance carriers have, the better they can accurately price right. um, risk. And then on the, you know, therefore customers get a more accurate, true reflection of the underlying risk too. Um, so, I, you know, so you ha- it's not just on the, on the, the claims payout to make sure they're look they're well looked after, but also um, in terms of what they're paying up front, um, you know, prior to any of that, um, is is obviously important for everyone as well. That's great, um, Jay. I want to I want to wrap this up with one more question. Uh, you mentioned that one of the things uh, startups should be thinking about, entrepreneurs should be thinking about, is just uh, get your documents in order. Don't make it hard to find out what's true about you. What other pieces of advice would you give to companies in that A, B range um, that are looking to be funded by someone like QBE? Um, yeah, I, I think, look, going back to the strategic case, um, you know, we, we are we are a strategic CBC. And so the relevance to QBE um, and, and sort of how QBE can help an investment um, in, in the company benefit QBE and the startup um, beyond just capital investment is really important. So I guess we we look to these companies to help build up the strategic case and think about specific use cases with QBE. Um, you know, like what business units are you looking to work with? Are you open to international expansion? Um, you know, how flexible are you in sort of co-building a, a product or your platform? Um, I think thinking about this up front, and I, I know I, I know I spoke about this before, but I would sort of echo that that's quite important. Um, otherwise, just, I guess in terms of the pitch or presentation, um, I feel like, you know, a lot of companies sort of forget that we're not like you, we're not looking at this company and working on it every single day. We're hearing about this for the first time. 
So sometimes just to sort of dumb it down and and you know walk through um, clearly what your product actually does, you know, from start to finish. Um, with an example, how, how do you make money? You know, are you charging a SaaS fee? <laughs> are you? Is it um, on a report basis? You know, volume usage basis. Um, you know, I, I find just sort of dumbing it down and and providing a sort of clear context and background up front is always helpful. Um, but, you know, there's all the buzzwords they come in with sort of um, Gen AI data centric platform, and you're just like, uh, you know, sure. I, I would echo that because like a lot of times the the first the first conversation, right, or the introduction that like on the VC side we have with the company is like 30 minutes, right? And like right. the worst thing that can happen is you end that 30 minute call and you're like, I have no idea what they do or like how how they do it, right? Like how what's the what's the benefit, what's the value proposition that that they're solving for? And so like I yeah, like use that 30 minutes to just very clearly say, this is the problem we're trying to solve. This is the, if it's a tech, you know, this is the technology we're bringing in order to do it. This is why we think we're different. Um, you know, and then if you've, to, to Jay and, and Christy, your question, if you're at that series A, series B, where you've got that product market fit, you've got some some customer wins under your belt, like talking about those specific use cases. Um, yeah, because because the goal, right, is to to help help the insurance industry move forward. So we want to know how you're how you're trying to do that. By the end I, of the uh, call. My PhD advisor used to say, "Work hard to make it look simple," and uh, I think that principle applies here as well as to theoretical physics. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. The the only other piece I'd add to that, just quickly, um, you know, on the sort of people side of things, um, you know, you're really investing in someone, right? Mm -hmm. The founder and their story and their mission. Um, and it, and it could be a long-term relationship. Um, so I think, I think sort of honesty and uh, upfront is always important, especially around sort of projections, um, you know, numbers, pipeline revenue. Um, I think sort of just being honest and setting realistic expectations upfront and even being candid about, um, where you're having some sort of difficulties or, um, you know, what are some of the problems you're facing can, isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, as well. So yeah, I would just echo that as well. Amazing. It's good to get some of that inside baseball. All right. Well, this has been another episode of unstructured unlocked. I have been your co-host Chris Wells joined by co-host Michelle. And our guest today has been Jay Novice in, uh, investment associate at QBE Ventures. Jay, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automator.